You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. First time I ever skied deep powder uh, when I was learning how to ski, it's kind of a mess. I was here, there's this amazing snow out in front of me. I knew it was like the best stuff. You could ski, but I couldn't figure it out. And as we were beginning of the run, around the backcountry too, and turned to my buddy and I asked, just like, how do you ski powder, man? How do you do this? He just turned to me and he shrugged and he just said, just charge harder, bro. And he just skied away. That was the sum total of his advice. I was like, what, is, what does that even mean? You know, but in the end, I feel often just about the same about our scriptures today as I do about my buddy's advice to me when it comes to skiing powder. This is our final Sunday before Lenten season, and both the first reading, well, even the second reading, and the gospel all remind us in the strongest possible language the Lord's desire for us in this life, not just in heaven, but in this life as well. From Leviticus, the Lord commands us, Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Then, of course, Jesus takes it to even to greater heights in the gospel, as he says to us, as he commands us, Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Does this not seem like the spiritual equivalent of just charge harder, bro? It's, it appears to be advice to just do the thing that you've been trying to do and failing at. Surely if we go forth with these words, taking them literally, we're on the fast road to scrupulosity and despair. Do we not preach a God of mercy? Is that not kind of the point of the Christian message? And that seems empty if he then just demands perfection. How do we reconcile this message, the Lord demanding perfection, with the cross, with God's love for the sinner, with his understanding and deep desire for us to just come to him as we are. So there's a lot to uncover here. First, we need to remember and understand only the perfect enter heaven. We will not enter heaven until we are perfect. There is no imperfection in heaven, and that's not because God is mean. It's because the imperfect are incapable of being in heaven. And so that's the standard. That's not, that's not the high bar in terms of that's not the greatest people who are up there. That's the only people who are there. So we need to remember that, that that's, that's the call for every single one of us if we are to go to heaven. Yet, what hope for us is there then for us who strive and fail to live the Christian life? for us who obviously aren't perfect. I think there's great hope. I actually think that it's in this specific call, both the first reading and the gospel, the call to God's own holiness, that is precisely where we find our hope. If that seems like a bit of a paradox, it's because holiness is a mystery. It's not just something we slowly work toward by our own energy. It is a mystery. And and by a mystery, as Christians, we never mean contradiction. There are no contradictions in our faith. There are mysteries. And that's something 
that we cannot grasp completely. We cannot fully understand. So let's look at the law that Jesus gives today, and then we'll see the full scope of our predicament. So he says, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, when someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other as well. Someone goes to law with you over your tunic, give him your cloak. Someone presses you into service for one mile, go two. And perhaps the most difficult of all, you have heard love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That is such a ridiculous command. If someone is our enemy, they are by definition someone we would not want to pray for. Because if we wanted to pray for them, if we liked them, they wouldn't be our enemy. All of these things, all of these sayings, if we take them seriously, are impossible for us. They go against our nature to its very core. And I think the beauty and simplicity of them and, and the fact that we've hear, heard them so often has bl- like blinds us to their radical nature. So take them to prayer. You know, as, I, as I have this past week, again, and you'll realize the chasm that stands between the perfection the Lord's calling us to and our lives as they stand. But now perhaps you're thinking like, Father, you need to start turning the corner here because we're getting further and further from actual hope of heaven. But I think the more we realize this, the more we realize our inadequacy in, in just doing holiness, the closer we are. Because we have to realize that left to our own strength, we'll never be holy. So now, how do we go about being a Christian then? If, if we can't just do it, how do we go about it? Well, we see the call, perfect holiness. We see our own imperfections. And we realize because of that, these imperfections that don't seem to go away no matter how much we strive, we aren't going to be able to get there. And yet we realize also, only the perfect are in heaven, so we must get there. So either God is unjust, he's a trickster of some sort, or he's going to have to do the work. And it's entirely up to him to sanctify us, to make us holy. And this, brothers and sisters, is the definition of Christian hope. So we're called to heaven. We can't get there ourselves. And yet we have God who promises his grace and promises to get us there. So what do we have to do? We just have to prepare the way for that grace. Make room in our hearts. And this is what we call in the Christian life detachment. We call it detachment not not in the weird connotation you might have about that word. Imagine more like God is God is trying to give you something great. He's trying to give you his grace, trying to give you everything. And yet here we stand with our hands full of all these worldly things. We're grasping onto the things of the world and we cannot accept the things that God wants to give. So we have to let go. We have to detach. That's the work of the Christian life on our end. Now, this too is done by grace, but this is our work. Just preparing the way for the Lord to come in. Now, there's only one way to even figure out what you're attached to, and that's in prayer. We can never see it ourselves. We have to go to prayer and let the Lord convict us of it. So I want to think through a few different things 
pieces of advice on detachment. Like, what is it? What does it mean? And we'll do so with the help of John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. So first, I want to tell you what attachment is not. So what is it? What does it mean to be attached to something? This is not what it means. It doesn't mean just having strong attractions, attractions to the things in life. It doesn't mean enjoying the world. We don't have to hate the world. It doesn't mean being moved strongly when it comes to the people and the things in your life. It doesn't mean to possess and use things. We can still possess and use things without being attached to them. JP2 puts it great. He says that we're in the world, we're just not of the world. So we'll look at three different ways that we can be attached to things of this world. And then I'll give you an example of my attachments. Uh, so it'll be a partial public confession here. So uh, I, I, there's a whole list of them that I was praying through on my silent retreat. Uh, so this is only a fraction. You have no idea. So first, diverting a thing from the purpose God intended. So we take a thing and we use it for something other than God intended it for. I realized in my own life, I do this most with time. So as a priest, I'm called to give my time entirely to the Lord. That's, that's in many ways, the greatest gift that I give is my 24-7 of my life. And thank the Lord, you keep me really busy here. The days are good and they're full, but I get home, whatever time of night, 9, 10, and I cannot accept that my day is over because I have not had my time. And so I claim my time, and I use time that doesn't exist, and then I stay up too late and I sabotage the next day. And this is me just being too attached to my own time. So taking a thing and diverting it from the purpose that God gave us for. Excess use. The second one would be just using a thing too much and therefore putting inordinate importance upon it. Now, we're, we're obsessed with this in our culture. We just buy tons of crap. And I was realizing, I don't, I don't buy a lot of stuff. And so I never really thought about this part of my life. But I realized recently I have a deep, deep attachment here, not in the sense that I spend a bunch of money, but that I spend a ton of time looking at the very few things that I buy. So I'll have one piece of gear that I buy each year, but I'll spend months watching videos, and we reading reviews and doing all sorts of research on this thing and looking at comparisons. And I justify that because I want to make a prudent purchase. But really, it's just a different form of attachment to commerce. And I often escape there when I'm stressed. And so it's not necessarily clear always the things in which we're using excessively. So excess use is number two. And then the third one, is making means into ends. And this is the thing we do most often. We take a thing that is a good thing in our life. It's a good means to holiness, but we make it the thing in our life. And so I do this probably most often with working out. As a priest, as with many of our jobs today, they are mentally exhausting and physically sedentary. So we get home at night and we're kind of physically anxious and mentally exhausted. What do you do? So that's, that's why most of my hobbies uh, destroy my body and don't use my mind at all. So uh, I, just do, I just do physically strenuous and mentally relaxed uh, hobbies. And this is good, except when I do, as I often do, which is I make it a priority over the things that matter more or most. 
So if I'm cutting prayer time short or neglecting relationships in order to get a better workout or pray, praying late in the day so that I can work out early in the day and so therefore I'm exhausted for my prayer and fresh for my workout. That's taking a thing, the workout, which is a means to being able to serve the Lord in a better way and making it into the end instead of the means to the end. So these three things, diverting a thing from the purpose God gave us, or the purpose God intended for it, using a thing excessively, or making means into ends. These next days, as we prepare for Lent, let's go to prayer and make a full examination of our attachments. We need to know them, because if we don't be rid of them in our lives, if we can't get rid of them in our lives, we can't receive the Lord's grace to make us perfect. So let's do battle with them. Orient your Lenten commitments right at the things that you're attached to. And so as, as you begin to loosen your grip, the Lord will fill that place with his grace. And then we can live up to this great call to be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect.